We've been talking about spirit, soul, and body, so let me just put that down here. Um, spirit, we said the spirit uh, is a new creation, right? And, uh, and it's perfect because it was born again from an uncorruptible seed when we were born again. And, um, and that's the part of us that interacts with, with the Holy Spirit. It's where the, where the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us, right? And then we have a soul, which is our filter. My wife talked about that like four or five weeks ago or two weeks. So if you haven't heard that, it's, it's amazing, right? And we talked about our soul, how it's our filter, our mind, will, and emotions, and everything that's going on in the soul affects our, affects our life, affects our body, right? The Bible says that out of the heart flow all the issues of life, whether they're good issues or bad issues or really, really bad issues, right? Uh, they all come out of the heart, you know, the soul, and then our body, we talked about our body last two weeks, and we said our body is a temple of, do you not know? <laughs> right? That's what the Bible tells us. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Like, hello, you know, that's what he's saying. Like, it, it, you're, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And we said these three cannot be separated. We are one. It's like the Trinity, right? The three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're also a three-part person. We are we're spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body, but you can't separate them. We're all together. We're all together. So you can't really say, well, my spiritual life is doing really good, but, you know, my health is just terrible. Now, let me tell you something. There is a connection, right? And you can't say, oh, you know, I'm doing great in my whole life and everything, but my spiritual life needs some attention, let me tell you, if this is good and this isn't good, then this is just a cover-up. <laughs> okay? So last week we said, okay, I, I don't want to review the whole thing because we don't have time for that. But last week we said that uh, we're going to talk about the other things that impact our body as well, right? Because we want to take care of our body for many reasons. I gave you many reasons to connect with last time. You know, and one of them was like the most important is, you know, Romans uh, 12.1 tells us because this is how we truly bring our service of worship to God. And when we make our temple, our body, a living sacrifice and we present it before God as a living sacrifice, right? And this is how we worship him. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 6 uh, tells us that, our, our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it explains all these things to us. It says, therefore, honor God with your body, right? So we can honor God with how we take care of our body, and we talked about all those things that James said, right, last week. Things, small, simple things. You don't have to be, you know, a, a marathon runner or, or one of those, what do they call them? The, yeah, Iron Man or anything like that. You don't, you don't have to do that. Like, you can just do very simple things, right, and, and get yourself on, on the right way to take care of your, of your temple because you only get one body. You might drive your car, like, you know, however you drive it, not take care of it, get another one. Body, you only get one. You only get one and you have an assignment. You have a race here on this earth and you want to make sure that you make it to the end, right, not overheating and with a, busted tire and you know making a lot of noise but that you make it to the end strong like Moses he was 120 years and he was full of strength the Bible tells us that's amazing that's our promise 120 years baby you say I'm fine with 80 you're robbing somebody of 40 years of being influenced by you that's a lot of years to steal somebody from right so let's think you know Let's think that. Let's think 120. I'm going for that. Amen? 
There's a lot to do. There is a lot to do. You know, whether Jesus comes back first or not, that's not my concern. He said he won't even tell me, and he doesn't even know, so <laughs> we're good there, all right? Don't worry about that. Oh, but things are getting really bad. It's probably time. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you got to live today. You got to live right now, right? What are you called to do today? So today we're going to talk about some other input devices that God has given us besides our mouth, right? Fasting, fasting, you know, is, is, is when you close this input device right here. Not with a mask, just from food, right? You just close this input device because you say, I'm the boss. You body, you're my employee. You work for me. I tell you what to do, what time to get up, how to exercise, what to eat, what not to eat. Right? Like, and, and, and you might say, this is so hard. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, like, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Right? So everything you need for this is already in you. Because it's not about works. It's not about like, look how good I am. Look, I'm doing really good, you know. And cheers to myself. Like, yeah, celebrate. But God is saying, I already gave you the grace and the spirit that you need to do all these things. To bring your body into subjection. Are you with me? Like, it's already in you. And when you know it's already in you, let me tell you, it's, some, it's a lot easier. Like, when you know that God already said yes to all his promises, you don't have to strive for them and, and wonder and question whether you're worthy, whether he's going to say yes or whether you're going to get him. No, you're, you're already living from a place of yes. You understand that makes a big difference, right? Because you're not striving for it. You're just standing in faith waiting for it to be manifested, right? You do the possible and God does the impossible. It's a partnership. It's a walk. It's a relationship, not a formula. That's what religion does, right? It makes formulas. Like, well, if you do this and you do this and you do this and you behave really, really, really good, then it's going to happen, right? And that's why you have a lot of disappointed, frustrating Christians. I mean, frustrated, not frustrating Christians. Some Christians are frustrating, but I mean frustrated. <laughs> okay. Fasting is a great way to kill addiction. You know, I heard somebody say once said, if you want to kill a bear, starve it. I'm like, huh, nice. And some, some of these addictions are like bears, right? They're like, you know, scary looking. They're like, I want more. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. You know, I want, and it's like, you're scared of the bear, right? You're scared of the addiction. What are you going to, what's going to happen to you if you say No. But that's what fasting is. It's like, you're like, you know what? I'm going to starve you. And when you starve it, it dies. So that's why fasting is so good for killing addictions. Amen? I know fasting is a Christian cuss word. But that's where <laughs> we're at today. That's where we're at today. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things. Ears and eyes. Say with me, ears and eyes. Okay, those are the two input devices that God has given us. This one? Okay. All right. Hey, by the way, welcome if you're watching online. <laughs> good to see you. Well, good to be seen, I guess. That's when this would apply, right? Um, 
So ears and eyes are input devices that God has given us, okay? Now, I, I, I'm going to just review a couple things that we've said in the last few weeks. The Spirit is supposed to, right, flow with life, right, into our soul, right, which everything that happens in our soul reflects into our body, so our soul affects our body, right? So when we walk and we live from the Spirit, right, it influences our soul, and then that life, abundant life, can flow and be manifested into our life, okay? So when we, um, we also said that the soul, everything that's going on in this filter right here, also affects the outcome in our in our life, what we see, not just in our body, what we see around us, right? Because our heart is like an amazing soil that anything that you plant in it will grow, whether it's good or bad, right? So we will produce, we will reproduce whatever's happening here. So that's why we also said that the spirit can also only do as much as our, our, as our soul, as our filter allows it to do, right? Because like my friend told me, he said, you cannot work out or out exercise a bad diet and i also say you cannot outperform a bad thought i think dr matt says it uh kind of like that too right you cannot outperform a belief system right you can't you cannot outperform what you believe right so you have the spirit of god who raised jesus christ from the dead living here with you right but what is limiting what you're experiencing, what you're living is this filter right here, your soul. So spirit affects soul, soul affects body. Body also affects our soul, right? What, what you eat, what, you know, if you sleep, if you don't sleep, if you get in rest, if, if you have things going on, it's going to affect the way you think, right? Which is why many times we find ourselves in toxic cycles right that you you believe one thing therefore you reproduce it and because you see the evidence you believe it right you reinforce it and you believe it again and you produce it over and over and over and over again that's why they can be believers born again believers that are living a toxic life dysfunctional this cannot corrupt our spirit right we said that already our 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 this cannot corrupt our spirit. Our spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are saved. You, this is perfect. This is complete, right? But it can block you from walking in the spirit. It can block you from listening to the voice of God. Are you there? Okay, so that's, um, that's the body, okay? That's the body and the soul. They have a relationship, sometimes a toxic relationship, because they both want to rule. They both want to rule when this one is the one that's supposed to rule, right? The Bible tells us to not be led by our fleshly desires, but to be led by the Spirit of God, okay? So eyes and ears, here's an interesting thing. You know, we were talking about how the body is the temple, and a few weeks ago I explained to you guys how the temple, um, how God, God always wanted to inhabit with people. He always wanted to live among us, right? And so there was the Garden of Eden, and then there was the Ark of the Covenant, and the Tabernacle, and the Temple, right? And then Jesus came, and then he made us all temples, right? The temple that was built, the one that Solomon built, had gates, and there were gatekeepers. Say with me, gatekeepers. And those gatekeepers kind of made sure that nothing came in that wasn't supposed to come in, right? Because we know that the temple was a, is a holy place, 
There was the Holy of Holies, right? And we talked about how important it was that place where the presence of God was, right? So there was gatekeepers that kept things out of the temple, right? And protected the temple from things coming in. Well, in the same way, you and I as a temple have gates, right? And there's things that come into our temple. And one of them, yes, it's our mouth. But the other two that we're talking about today is our eyes and our ears. What we see and what we hear our input devices or gates into our temple. And many times we don't, we don't take it seriously or we have been slowly conformed to the world to think that hearing and seeing thir- certain things is okay. And we don't realize that it actually has affected us and has slowly conformed us to think in a way that is not like God's way. So Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? But you know what also comes by hearing? Fear. Just like faith comes by hearing, fear also comes by hearing. But it produces something different, right? Bill Johnson said at the Kenneth Copeland Believers Convention I love it. He said, anyone who has more input from mainstream media than from the word of God, their discouragement is (laughs) self-inflicted. I was like, wow. You're self-inflicting yourself. And you complain about it. Right? Like, I feel so terrible. This is so horrible. I can't believe it. Right? But you continue to listen to mainstream media and the news of the world more than you do the word of God. And you wonder why you feel so hopeless. You wonder why you're angry 12 hours a day. Right? (laughs) Because if you have more of anything else other than God's news, that's going to have influence over you. Majority rules. Majority rules, right? What you meditate on will influence you, right? It will grow inside of you. And many times these things sneak up on us through culture and through TV and through, you know, just just a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time. Okay, you know, nobody ever used to see that kind of stuff, but everybody sees that kind of stuff now, so it must be okay. It's a new normal. That sounded creepy. <laughs> so what are we listening to? Proverbs 17.4 says, The wicked man listens to evil lips. Proverbs talks about how if you're in the company, right, of the evildoers, it's like you're, you're, you're going to that same place. John Maxwell says, you know, friends are like an elevator. Who you hang out with is like you get in and wherever they go, you're going. You don't get to push the button. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Who you're listening to the most, right? Who are you listening to the most is having the biggest uh, voice in your life. And it's influencing you. And it starts like a little seed. And then the other one is the eyes. In Proverbs 27, 20 says, death and destruction are never satisfied. Think about this. Think about forest fires, right? They keep 
going. They're never satisfied, right? Fire, think about fire. Anything that's in its way, it gets consumed. Forest fires just keep going and going and going. Why do we lose so much? Because they don't stop. They're never satisfied. A fire is never like, all right, I think we burned enough for the day. Let's shut it down. Like, no, it just keeps going and going and going and going, right? Until it's what? Until it's shut down, right? Until our amazing firefighters or, or just rain and, you know, the weather changes and now you have, it's, it's stopped, but it doesn't stop itself. Do you understand that? It's, it's like it's never satisfying. You know what it says that after that? It says, and neither, okay, so death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are the eyes of man. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear it's full of hearing. Have you ever heard a juicy gossip story and it's like only halfway done? You go like, no, wait, 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 but tell me, tell me more. Like, I want to, you know, here, like, maybe not here. It's probably really hard to identify with that here, you know. But like, you know, people, right? Like, like, it's just never enough. Like, they got to hear more, more of that, more of that, more of that, you know. The same thing with the eyes. You know, I was explaining a few weeks ago, that's how, that's how sexual perversion happens. And that's how sexual perversion starts going on. Like, first you go, yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, it's not okay to sleep around. It's not okay to have sex before marriage. No, it's not, it's not okay. That. And then it's like, well, everybody's doing it. I think we're going to get married. Well, you know, it was just one time. Well, the, like, and what happens is that it continues to grow, right? Oh, well, that's just, you know, just everybody watches porn. You know, it's just a little, you know, and it doesn't hurt anybody, right? But what happens is that the Bible is really clear. The eyes are never satisfied. Right? So once that's there, what it, it's going to ask for more. It's going to ask for more, and it's going to ask for more, and it's, gonna, and it's never ending. Where does it stop? Well, sadly, it hasn't stopped. And that's why we hear the sickening things that are going on in the world with ped- pedophilia, being, trying to be like something normal. Are you kidding me? Like, is this a bad dream? Like, are we stuck in a really horrible nightmare? Why? Because the eyes are never satisfied. And when you're in, you know, we, we also talked about how sexual sin blinds you. Because the Bible says it's the only sin that, that it said all sin is out of the body, but sexual sin is sin against yourself, right? So you're blinding yourself, you're harming yourself from being able to see clearly, to see, to see truth, right? And so it continues to grow. And that's why it's so important that we protect what we hear and what we see. Because it is so easy for us to be conformed after repetitive instances. You know what's so funny? Man, I wish we weren't live streaming this part, but oh well. I'm going to tell you something, okay? Don't be mad at me. If you're mad at me about this, let me tell you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let it go, okay? I love you and we're still family. Okay? Oh, God. (laughs) So I read this article, and it said that Walmart was no longer demanding customers to wear their masks. They've seen 
too many things happening and they're no longer going to demand it. So they have somebody out there, you know, that uh, will ask you. If you don't have a mask, they'll ask you and they'll offer you one. And, uh, and, and if you say no, like, they won't deny you access or services, right? So I'm like, <sighs> I was in Colorado, different town, didn't know anybody, right? And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if this is true, right? And so... I come up and I indeed see the health ambassador right there and I say, hey, um, hey, is it true that like, you know, that you won't deny me access or services if I come in, right? And she's like, yeah, that's true. It's like, but you know, we all have to. I said, okay, okay. She's like, do you want a mask? And I'm like, no, thank you very much. I'm okay without one. And and I said, um, I said, are are you going to get in trouble? She said, no, 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 not at all. And I said, are you going to call the cops? She said, no, not at all. Because <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not stupid, okay? Like, if I need milk, I need milk, whatever, you know? And she's like, no, not at all, right? So I, um, I, I, I said, okay, well, do you need anything from me? She's like, well, I need to write down your name and what you look like. I'm like, okay, great. Tall guy, crazy hair. Thank you, you know? Walked in the store, you know? Everybody's wearing one. I wasn't. Felt kind of nice, kind of free. And um, because I don't need one, okay? Like, I'm perfectly healthy. You know, I, I'm, I'm not selfish or anything like that. I wouldn't be out if I was sick. Um, but I, uh, I walked in, did my thing. Very nice. Everybody looking at me like I'm a strange one. And, and that's the weird thing, okay? I, I tried it here in Mesa. It worked too, you know? No problem at all whatsoever. Nothing, right? So I'm just telling you what I did. I'm not telling everybody to go do that at all because then we'll get censored and then this will get taken down and, uh, you know, whatever. But interesting how after doing something repetitively for so many times, you're just an autopilot now. I'm like, does everybody know that? Like, you don't, like, they won't deny you access or anything like that, you know, but... You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not for causing trouble at all. Like, that's not my heart. You know, but it it was interesting to observe how everybody has been conditioned already in just just about one small thing, okay? It's it's nothing. It's silly. You know, put it on, take it off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the interesting thing is, like, the conditioning, how quickly quickly that happens, right? How quickly it's like, even if it's not needed, not required, not demanded, not necessary, now it's just something that everybody does. Right? And it's the same thing with what you hear and what you see. Okay? So, so forget the whole mask thing. It was just an example. Okay? I'm not telling anybody to do anything or not do something, whatever. Right? You know, you wear it at church. You wear it wherever you want. That's, that's fine. That's your personal decision. But my point is, when you start hearing something enough, yeah, you get used to it. When you start seeing something enough, right, you get used to it. And you start thinking of it as normal right? Oh, it's normal. There's a sex scene in every movie and they're never married. That's normal. Why is that normal, right? That's not normal. But it's normal in movies and if we see it enough, then people will think that that's okay, that's normal. You see what I'm saying? If we introduce these things in school in their education slowly, slowly, it's going to be rough at first, but if we do it long enough, then it'll become normal. Because all of these things are seeds that are being planted inside our hearts. What we see and what we hear and what we think are seeds that are planted in our heart. Are you with me? 
Okay, everybody okay? Gosh, I can't believe I said that stuff, but I am a little crazy sometimes. Um, just sometimes. Watch it, girl. <laughs> okay, so we talked about last week seed, time, and harvest. And we said how we were always sowing, right? So many things we're sowing. And then after time, we see harvest. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's a long time. Sometimes you don't see the harvest till the end of your life. You go, man, I thought I was going to live 120 years. Why am I feeling like this at 80? Do you understand seed time harvest? So in health, you know, we said seed is, you know, the things that we do, the, how we eat and all this stuff. You know, time could be years. And harvest... Is, is reflected in our health, right? But seed is also the things that we see and the things that we hear. And we cannot just say that we're victims to this because this is the world that we live in because we still choose what we lend our ears to and we still choose what we choose to watch. You know, if you, if you like horror movies, oh, it's just a fun thing to do. Well, you know, I would call it porn for the soul, but that's just me. Why? Because you're sowing incredibly horrific seeds of fear and terror. Oh, but it's so fun. And then why, why, why all these other things happening in your house? Why your kids can't sleep? Why you can't sleep. Why all of a sudden, you know, you're having all these feelings and things. You know that your, 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 your subconscious doesn't know the difference between that movie being real or, or just a, a movie? That's why your heart jumps. That's why you're sweating at the end of it. That's why you're locking the house three times, you know, and checking every window. Because your subconscious doesn't know the difference. But you're sowing these seeds of terror and horror and, and like, sadistic things, you know, very bloody images and things like that. And then you wonder why you feel like you feel. Why do you have issues with fear? Why can't you sleep? Why your kids? Oh, but they didn't see the movie. Oh, man. I want to say that's actually more spiritual than, than just what you see and what you hear. You know, it's what you allowed in your home. Are you guys okay? I think I'm hitting everybody today. Like, it's super quiet. You know, it's like, hee. Remember, in this church, we love you no matter what movies you watch, no matter what lifestyle you lead. Like, it's between you and God. My job is just to preach the word. You do whatever you want with it. <laughs> because otherwise, we, you know, would be judging everyone, each other all day long. We can't do that. This is just a safe place that we can all come as we are, be vulnerable before God and one another, pray for one another, receive the word and grow and continue on our own walk. Are you with me? Otherwise, we could never talk about real stuff. So, um, seed time harvest. Let's go to... Um, James chapter 1, go with me to James chapter 1, and we're going to read um, verse 13 through 
through 15. Are you learning something this morning? Okay. Listen, I'm not trying to create like a hyper-vigilant church, you know, that is like always like, oh my gosh, you know, scared of eating other stuff, you know, scared of eating anything with sugar uh, or like, you know, scared of, oh, I heard that, I saw that, oh my gosh, I can't open my eyes. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to raise awareness and be conscious and be intentional of the things that have become normal in our lives that shouldn't be normal. Are you with me? Right? You know, I was going to say last week, like, be sure that you're not judging everybody else's drinks when this service is over, you know? What you drink in there? How many grams of sugar in that thing? Huh? 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 The Bible says, you know, you stop, you know, trying to take the thorn out of your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in yours, right? Like you're counting their sugar grams when you have like, you know, a ton of flour in your food from this morning, you know, (laughs) which turns into sugar. (laughs) You get what I'm saying, right? Okay. Good, I hope so. So, James chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. That's pretty clear, right? It says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one, okay, that means you, each one is tempted when... By his own evil desire, by his own lust, the word there is lust, says he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire or lust has conceived, whoa, has what? Conceived, are we talking like babies here? Has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. What's sin? The definition of sin is missing the mark, right? You missed the mark. You missed the mark. I think sometimes we've, we've made it to be like this horrific thing that you will never come out of. You will be exposed. You will be shunned. You will be ashamed. You are disqualified forever and ever. And let me tell you, sin does not have that power. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. Sin has no power to separate you from God. What? Yeah, what do you think the blood of Jesus is for? What sin does is sin has its own consequence. And, and then the devil comes, and after he made you fall into sin and tempted you and laughed at you, then he comes and he condemns you about it, and he shames you about it, and he keeps you down for it. Right? Which shame causes you to separate from God and others. Which is the worst thing you can do because that's when you need most help and prayer. See how it's a horrible trap. And so, it says here, you know, uh, in verse 14, say, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire or by the desires of the things in his heart. He's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire, okay, has conceived. After lust is conceived. Now let me tell you about that word real quick. Because that right there is a, it's a seed. You see how it's talking about a seed? After the seed is conceived, right? And after there is some time, then it gives a harvest, what? To death, right? It brings death. 
you know, John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes to what? Still kill and destroy, right? To steal life. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have not just any kind of surviving, barely making kind of life, but abundant life, right? More than enough joy, more than enough peace, more than enough prosperity and finances, more than enough health, more than enough, right? Because we are after the seed of Abraham, who was blessed to be a blessing to all nations, and that's what we're supposed to be too. Okay, so... Lust, the word lust here, check this out. It is, um, it means a desire. It means something you set your heart upon, especially something forbidden. <laughs> something forbidden. Mm. So it's like that seed is planted. Maybe you, you saw it, maybe you heard it. An idea comes in, so now it becomes a thought. And before you ever do anything, it's a thought that continues to go around and around over time in your brain, and you're meditating, and you think about it, and you think about it, and you think about it. And then, if that's never stopped, then it's going to produce a horrible weed harvest for you, right? Death. Something that's going to steal life from you. Listen, again, I'm not teaching this to be scared. I'm teaching this because here's what happens. If you heard my wife's teaching it quite a few weeks ago, um, we have a lot of issues here. There's a lot of lies and hopelessness living in our soul that is not letting the light and the power of the Spirit of God to flow and be manifested in our lives. So what do we do? We go back and we deal with those issues, right? We ask the Holy Spirit to show us what's the lies that we're believing, right? The things that are not allowing us to believe according to God's word that are robbing us from experiencing all his promises that are yes and amen, right? And that's work. And that's called cultivating your heart. And that's good. And we should always be doing that. But do you know why those things started in the first place? Because of all these seeds, that we've been cultivating also. Or maybe before you came to Jesus, you know, you had a lot of these seeds that are just in there. So when we know this, we can protect our temple, we can be the gatekeepers of our heart and stop things that we shouldn't be seeing, we shouldn't be hearing, we shouldn't be thinking so that we don't accumulate more junk in here and clog this filter up so that the life of Jesus can flow through us and Jesus doesn't just get a ride inside our bodies for 80 years, but he can actually live through us, not just in us. So if we become aware of these things, right, we will accumulate less issues in our soul. It's called prevention. <laughs> Preparing our hearts. Sowing the right stuff in there. I mean, do you, you I, I'm sure you agree that it's better to never need a miracle, right? I love miracles. We need miracles. People need miracles. But I don't want to be the one needing them every week. 
going to let that one rest. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so James right here is telling us that that's really the journey of, of sin, how we end up missing the mark here and there. You know, it starts as a seed, as a thought. Maybe you saw something, you heard something, or just a thought came in, an idea came in. There's just not godly idea, right? And after meditating it, after conceiving, then it gives fruit, and it gives you a harvest, and it's a bad one. Now you have to deal with that. Do you understand that part? Okay, so especially a forbidden one. Now come, to, uh, come with me to 2 Samuel. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Second Samuel, and we're going to go to chapter 11. And verse 1 through 4. Thank you. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, pay attention. When kings normally go out to war, where do kings normally go out to in the spring? To war, right? He goes to work, you know. On Monday, when he was supposed to go to work, (laughs) but he was working from home. (laughs) David sent Joab and the Israelite army, okay, that was his general, to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city, okay? So David was supposed to be there of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. I'm going to set this one out, okay? It says, late one afternoon after his midday nap. Rest. Nothing wrong with naps. <laughs> David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. You know, just want you to get an idea. He had nothing to do. You know, he was just bored. Like, there's no video games then. There's no, you know, n- nothing. There's just, like, he was just bored. I mean, you got to think about it. He had hundreds of wives, okay? So he's up on the roof, and it says, as he looked over, out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Okay, uh, let me see. Verse, verse 2 says here, it says, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around the roof. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman's very beautiful, right? I mean, she had to have been close by, right? I don't think he had any, like, hey, bring me that binocular. Show me, you know. Like, he saw her, right? Why was this woman, I don't know, maybe, I don't know why she was bathing on the roof. Maybe that's, maybe that's how, maybe that's where the bathtubs were. I don't know, you know. Late one afternoon, okay, so uh, verse 3 says, He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she was, <laughs> this is so ironic, Bathsheba, <laughs> which comes from the Greek word bath, and Sheba means roof, taking a bath on the roof. I'm just joking, that's not, that's not true. <laughs> says she's Bathsheba, <laughs> the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Now, I want you to know something. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. If you ever read about David's mighty men, like these are the guys that went to war with him and gave their lives to serve King David. Brave, amazing, crazy warrior, okay? It says, then David sent a messenger to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Okay, so we're going to stop there. So first of all, David shouldn't have been there. 
he had too much time in his hands. That's never a good thing, you know. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a parenthesis here to say, bring your kids to youth on Wednesday nights. More than ever right now. More than ever now. I mean, it's always been like a great thing, but more than, and I'm telling you, Wednesday night was amazing. Tons of them were here. More than ever, bring him. Make the effort, you know, do it. Um, so David's there, right? And then he saw her. Now, the guy has how many wives? Hundreds? I, I, I don't know. I just know Solomon had like 900, okay? But David had also a lot of wives. More than any man can handle. Okay? And he sees her, right? And what happened, right? Through his eyes, this comes in and it becomes a seed and it becomes a thought, right? And I don't know how long he was up there. I don't know how much he saw. I don't know what, I don't know if he pulled his phone out and just took a video of her. I, I don't know what happened, but I know that's called lust because it was a desired thing that he set his heart upon that was forbidden. Are you with me? And he meditated on it to the point that it took him to a place where none of us would have ever thought that King David would ever go. Right? To commit adultery. Not just any woman, but the wife of one of his loyal men. Like this is tragic. You got to understand, this is really, really tragic. But it shows us what not protecting our eyes and our thoughts can take us to, right? This is lust, what we were just talking about in James, right? It's, it's, he saw it, then he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and the harvest was adultery, and then he ended up murdering Uriah also. He sent him to the front of the line on purpose and told everybody to withdraw so that he would get killed. You guys, this is like tragedy. How do you get there? Because that's not who he was. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And that's because of his humility and his quick repentance, right? Which was completely different to Saul, right? Saul stayed proud. And we, and we studied him a few weeks ago. And we said how Saul's uh, main concern was like, how do I look in front of the people, right? But David's heart was like, how do I look before God? I cannot believe I have sinned against my God. So anyways, what my point here is... It's not that hard to get that far that quick. Because when you are not the gatekeeper of, what, of your heart, of what's being planted in, and you think, well, this is just normal. Well, this is just okay. Well, it's okay. I mean, yeah, I know I shouldn't talk to this woman that intimately because she's not my wife. And, but, but she's got issues and I got issues. And we're just connecting at a deep level. Ah, let me tell you, that's not Okay. You're going to places you shouldn't be going. You're heading into a direction you shouldn't be. And the harvest is not going to be good, but it's going to lead to some kind of death in your life, right? It's going to rob you of true life. It's going to rob you of something amazing that God has for you. So don't go there. We need to become aware of what we're seeing, what we're hearing, and then our thoughts, right? Philippians 4.8 says, think on these things, everything that is good. Everything that is honorable, everything that is worthy of praise. If there's anything good in these things, think on these things. Take your thoughts captive, right? Why? Because if we don't, they become seeds that are just cultivated on. 
which leads us to our thoughts. Protecting our temple is not just about health, but it's about what we listen, about what we watch. Making sure we keep those doors closed. Because if you open them up, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 7, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him a foothold. Don't give him a reason. Don't, don't open the door for him. Don't sow a seed there. Why? You have authority. Let me tell you, you have authority and you have self-control. It's been given to you, right? But you can't have to deal with it. So what it's saying, it's better to never even open the door. Never even give him a little bit. Do you understand this is not so that you're qualified and, you know, worthy before God? You already qualified before God. The blood of Jesus qualified you. This is so that you don't suffer. This is so that you can live an abundant life. This is so that you can experience harvest, good harvest in your life. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the problem is these kind of things have been preached in the past as a thing that, oh, you better do this, you better do this, or else God will be mad at you, he will punish you, and he will depart from you. And that's a lie. That's not true. He already accepted us. He already washed us in the blood of Jesus. He already loves us. Now he wants us to live an abundant life. And these kinds of things can rob us from the abundant life. It can rob us from our destiny. It can rob us from the works that he has prepared for us to do. So protecting our temples isn't just about health, but it's about protecting our heart because out of these things, you know, comes our thought life. And out of your thought life come everything else. Do you know that 75 to, 80, 75 to 98% of all diseases come from the mind and the thoughts? You know, I want to say one more thing about this coronavirus. And please, 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 again, I want you to know, you are always free to disagree with me, partially or completely. And you don't have to find another church. I don't, I don't have to be right. I don't, I don't have that need for everyone to agree with me. But let me tell you what I think. I think this virus is supercharged with fear. So if, if this virus really hits somebody hard, right? Like, and let's say like, it, like it, it got them hard. And I know people that have gotten hit hard with it, okay? But let me tell you something. I think that this virus has a, a tremendous marketing campaign of fear Right? That is supercharged. Like here's the virus and here's the this, this, this supercharged power of fear that comes at it. To the point where people that get it feel like it's a death sentence. But those thoughts come to mind. And hopelessness sets in. Right? Our, uh, my in-laws, uh, they got it. And she said it was so spiritual. She said, I, I felt more than symptoms, I felt hopeless, completely hopeless. And, I'm, and this isn't about the virus. This is just an example because it's something that we're seeing, right, all over the world. But it's supercharged with fear. And what does that do? You know, that's been working in you before you ever even found out you had tested positive. 
It has prepared you, which is why the concern is no longer healing. The concern now is don't get it. And it's like we forget, like, we have power. We believe in healing. How are we now one step behind? Again, that's just, that's just what I have observed and what I think. You know, because you can have symptoms without having a virus and just, it's just called fear. Right? I mean, you have symptoms when you watch a horror movie. You have, I, I told you guys, I had symptoms when I first heard the horrific things that this virus could do to you. And I'm just listening to it. And I start feeling shortness of breath. <laughs> this is probably like a week into the, the whole quarantine thing. I'm like, I went to Walmart. 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 You guys are so rude. You're laughing at me. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You felt those symptoms before you ever had anything or knew you had anything. Why? Because fear is incredibly powerful, just as faith is. So if you prepare, what do we do? When we gear up in faith, right, and we build ourselves in our most holy faith, why? It's like you're supercharged to take on anything, right? For God, nothing is impossible. Everything is possible for those that believe, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're ready to take down the walls of Jericho. Well, what do you think happens? When you're constantly hearing and seeing and hearing and seeing, this is horrible. There's no cure for it. There's hopelessness. Everybody's dying. Everybody's getting it. The numbers are up. The numbers are up. You know, take it on whatever subject you want. It doesn't matter. Any subject you want, you build that up. What is it that you're doing? You're sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to reap a harvest. Amen. 